Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Don't play crosses into Magdalena Eriksson's defensive zone as she is one of the strongest and most decisive defenders in Europe, especially in duels. She wins an average of 70% of all aerial duels and 71% of all loose ball duels and she covers a lot of ground. This is how this week's their pitch player Magdalena Eriksson is described in the How to Stop Sweden guide that is created by the Swedish FA together with Adidas Football from launching Sweden's new match shirt ahead of the UEFA Women's Euro in England this summer. Make sure you check the guide out at howtostopsweden.com. Swedish national team player and Chelsea defender Magdalena Eriksson comes from another great season in the Women's Super League in England. The Blues from London won the league their third in a row and Eriksson's fourth since joining Chelsea back in 2017. She made her Swedish senior national team debut back in 2014 and has, when this is being recorded, earned 83 caps with Sweden. Eriksson played in the Olympics in Brazil in 2016, the Euros in the Netherlands in 2017, the World Cup in France in 2019, and in the Olympics in Tokyo in 2021. You are listening to Their Pitch, and this is the Magdalena Eriksson episode. Magdalena Eriksson. Quite simple, if you ask me. It is quite simple, but I don't. I doubt that anyone will say it that way in the Europe. How, how do you usually hear it? What does it usually sound like? Magdalena Eriksson. Is that <laughs> Eriksson? I think that would be hard, the, the rolling of the R. This is their pitch, and we're here with a UEFA Women's Euro 22 special. Today's guest is Swedish international Magdalena Eriksson. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you. Uh, I'm really well, thanks. We also use a quote uh, from somebody who knows you very well. If you're having any troubles uh, figuring out who this is, just um, just ask for a clue and I will give it to you. Um, Magda is a player that is a huge role model for every young girl out there that dreams about a professional career within football. She has maybe one of the most important talents of them all, the ambition and the hunger to always do and perform better. When I coached Magda, I felt that she was a player that was very interesting to work with in a time of her career where she developed a lot. The fact that her development has been consistent and that she has improved her performance over a long period of time, but also with her personality, I am not surprised that she wears the armband and captains one of the one of Europe's best club teams. Who do you think that is? Oh, yeah. I I started thinking it has to be a player, but then I was like, okay, this is actually a coach. 
Um, could it be Martin Hagrim? That is correct. What made you get it on the first try? Just the, the fact that he said that he coached me during a, an earlier stage of my career. And I think, yeah, it just felt a little bit like Martin, that, uh, that kind of a quote, uh, his values. We shared the same values in a lot of things. And I think uh, he was always quite clear with me what he thought about my character and how much he appreciated that. And I think we share that same kind of hunger. He also has a hunger to improve every single day. And he's really like methodical with his players and the way he wants to play. So I think that was it. But yeah, it was it was really just a guess. So, so we're, we want to get to know uh, Magdalena Eriksson, the national team player. So I want to talk about your first time being called up to the national team. Do you remember that? Yeah, I've Absolutely. That's one of the coolest things that has ever happened to me uh, to this day. I think the first time you do anything, it, it just makes it more special. You always remember that. So this was uh, a camp. My first call up was a camp with a big squad. We were going out to Busan. It's called like our training center in Sweden and just trained basically. Uh, so that was the first time I got to train with Lotta Schelin, Caroline Seger, uh, Linda Sembrandt, like all those players that I've idolized for so long. Uh, so I remember I was pretty nervous uh, going into that camp. Uh, and another funny note that uh, just that camp, Pia decided to switch it up a bit and change roommates. So I ended up rooming with Lisa Dahlqvist, another senior player on the team. So that made me even more nervous. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was uh, a bit of an extra spice on the <laughs> on that experience. Do you remember your first debut? Yes. Yes, of course. Again, like all the first you have in your career, you, you really remember. So I remember coming on late in a really tough game against France. Uh, it wasn't a lot of minutes and not a lot of touches, but I remember just enjoying and embracing the whole situation, even though we lost. And yeah, I hate losing, but I think that was one of the losses that I could actually just enjoy. Because <laughs> it was the first time stepping on the field wearing uh, the blue the blue and yellow. Yeah, exactly. Uh, doing that that debut that I've been dreaming on dreaming about for so long and hadn't expected to come on either it was just uh, an amazing experience although we yeah we did lose to France 3-0 I think it was in the end and with what you know today as um as a football player what would you have told the 2014 version of Magdalena Eriksson back then any advice for for her I think there's not much looking back on my career and my career choices and, and the things I've been through. There's not a lot of things that I regret or would change in any way. So I think I've, I've, I've been quite lucky in that, that I've managed to, uh, to have kind of a steady, uh, uh, career that's, that's going in the right direction the whole time. So a lot of things I'm, I'm really pleased about. And I would say like, keep, keep up what you're doing. But I think the biggest thing for me has been a little bit the belief in myself and the belief that I can uh, become one of the best defenders in the world. I think at that point, uh, there wasn't even a, a single like thought in my mind that I would reach that point. Like I loved football and I loved playing and I thought it was so much fun and that was my ambition. 
um, but the ambition was never to win the diamond ball or to become the best defender in the world, like those things. Yeah, I wish I had backed myself a little bit more uh, back then, but I think that kind of confidence has now uh, has grown in, in me with experience and with yeah, reaching uh, different points in my career, re- winning titles, winning medals. Eventually that kind of confidence arrives, but yeah, that would be my one, one, um, one thing I would say to a younger Magda. Do you think the younger Magda would look up to you now and be like, you did good? Yeah, I definitely think the, the younger Magda would say, wow, what, what have you been doing? <laughs> How did you get here? Uh, no, 100% also just where women's football has gone since I was young, I think has created so many more new dreams for girls. I think that was also one of the reasons why I didn't dream so big was because there wasn't that much you could dream about. Chelsea didn't have a women's team. There wasn't a WSL when I was really young growing up. I couldn't watch them play on TV. So I think that also put a limit to my dreams where now young girls can dream endless. What does it mean to be that kind of person for younger players and younger kids? It's it's extremely inspiring, uh, 100%. I think it's this is the place you want to be at. You want to be celebrated for the hard work you've put in, but you also want to inspire and help others. Uh, like you want to pave a way for others so so it will be easier for them. And I think creating dreams and having young girls and boys dreaming about being professional football players and uh, I mean that's it's so inspiring, so amazing, and it make, makes me it makes my work easier. It makes me want to work even harder and reach new limits. Is there a difference between the person and player that you were back then compared to the person and player that you are today? Uh, I think there's both differences and similarities. I think the core values within myself has always been there. Like Martin described me, I've always been extremely ambitious, uh, always wanting to improve, a perfectionist, uh, willingness to learn, willingness to listen to others and and all of that. But I do think, yeah, the, the confidence part is different. Uh, the knowing that you can play on this level and you're good enough to play on this level. And then, of course, the overall like tactical knowledge that you just gain by experience. You can't fake that that comes with uh, playing in big big games on a, on a daily basis you talk about um playing big games and being part of the swedish national team what has that meant for you to be a part of that yeah i think the the journey that the swedish national team are on and, and have been on is is a very very um, inspiring and it's extremely cool like we're not a big country and, and other women's national teams, they are catching up and, and it's becoming diff- more difficult, but we are still managing to get really good results, to stay up there on the rankings, to win medals in uh, tournaments. And I think that's really impressive as well. If you look at uh, the players we have, uh, it's top, top players, but it's maybe not the the top four or five players you mentioned when you think about the world's best players. I think we, what we have is we have a, such a strong team and such a togetherness within the team, within the coaching staff, uh, with how we play. Um, so it's, I love meeting up with the national team. Uh, there's such good girls and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's inspiring also knowing that we're just in the middle of this journey. 
And you also talk a lot about firsts within the national team. Do you remember your first goal? Uh, yes, I do. Can you give me a year and a month? Uh, I know that it, we were indoors playing on turf, so it must have been a winter month uh, in Sweden, and we played against Scotland. And I think it was, yeah, I think it was 2016, around February or January. Yeah, January 2016. Do you re do you remember your reaction to scoring that goal? Yeah, it wasn't like, I think because it was a friendly and, and we won quite big it, and yeah, it was really, really cool to score my first goal, but I never really want to think about the goals that much because first of all, if I did, I would be unhappy most of the time because I don't score that much. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but yeah, I don't think it was such a pretty goal. I think it was like a chin and then in, uh, But I remember I was happy doing well because we were, I was li a little bit in and out and I really wanted to make the Olympic squad. So I just, I was just happy that I played well and, and I was hoping to, to reach that squad. A spoiler alert is that you made the squad. Yay. <laughs> a massive spoiler for everybody out there. Um, and th that was, th that's a good segment into, uh, the big tournament tournaments that you've played with Sweden. You've played, both the Olympics, the World Cup, right? And have you played the Euros? Yes. You've played the Euros as well. How how special is it to go into a tournament representing your country? Yeah, it's I think it's something that you can't describe. It's so special and it, it becomes such a special moment of your life. It's like four to five weeks of your life that is just so extreme in on all levels. And I think I experienced that the first time with going away to the Olympics in Rio with Sweden. It was a massive uh, tournament for us. We did really well, but also like because Rio and Brazil is such a big football country. Uh, they were crazy about the games and we had Brazil in our group. So we played in front of 77,000 people at the Maracanã Stadium, a historic stadium. So I think that was as big as it was going to get. And that was my first tournament. So I was a bit, I think, blown away with everything. And I was extremely nervous and like not fully confident in myself. I was quite new in the national team playing in a as a left back rather than center back, which was where I played for my club so i think there was a lot of factors that was it was extremely enjoyable but it was also a lot of new kind of pressure that i was having hadn't experienced before so i think every tournament i've played in has become easier and easier on an individual level and then just being away like that with a team it's just it really is a bubble you just forget about everything else in the world and you focus on doing everything you can in that tournament so uh Yeah, it's it's a, an unbelievable um, um, thing to uh, to to go through, and yeah, to be reaching the end stage of that many tournaments has also been yeah extremely cool. That kind of you, you talk very fondly of, about that memory. Uh, is there a memory that stands out to you within your within your time with the national team? That's do you have a favorite memory or a best memory? Mm, oh, there's so many memories. I think I can start because I think it's also good to talk about the bad things because or the the tough moments because I think those moments shapes you so much and 
those are things that you also like add to your uh, experience backpack or whatever you want to call it. And like, uh, you know that, okay, you survived that moment and you know how to handle it. If that ever happens again, you've been there before. Uh, so I think in that first uh, Rio tournament, I we uh, played against Brazil. I uh, conceded a, or I made so Brazil got a penalty, took down Cristiano in the box and I got subbed out at halftime. And I could just, I just felt like massive failure. And uh, that was an extremely tough moment for me because there was, yeah, the whole Sweden was watching me and the stadium was full. And I just felt like I ruined it. Uh, I ruined my chances to play. And, and for a short moment, it was a, a really tough time. But then you learn how to deal with those moments. You learn that the world doesn't end like next day you go to training and you start over, you start fresh again. You have to, you can't dwell on those moments. So I think that going through, having gone through that made me so much stronger the next time I had any kind of adversity in my career. Um, so that's one of the, one of the tough moments. And then I like, I think the whole uh, 2019 world cup for me was just an amazing experience. Uh, I think we um, we played really well. It was extremely tough. Uh, so many tough games. Again, I played left back where I was normally playing centre back, and I was really proud of my own performance and my own achievement and my the own the way I personally tackled uh, that tournament. And then the fact that we went home with a bronze medal was also huge uh, for me. My first, yeah, my first World Cup and my first World Cup medal was yeah really. Memorable. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You talk a lot about um, memories and fond memories. Uh, in a game versus Iran, you scored a hat trick. Yes, I did. Is that something you still like? You're like, yeah, I did that on a big stage. Uh, I don't really. It's not one of those memories that I look back on and like... Uh, think about or like when I think about all the stuff I've been through it's not one of the first that pops up again I, I don't know why but goals isn't something I really think about so much it's more like games wins achievements uh, like on a bigger scale uh, but that was of course like I was as shocked as anyone after that game like what just happened I remember it was almost like three identical goals as well it was Olivia Skog uh, taking the corner from the left and uh, running onto the ball and heading it in. And it just felt like, like, what is going on? And uh, normally you maybe score one or two of those goals per season. So having three of them in one game, it was, of course, uh, really cool, really cool to have a, had an international hat trick. But, uh, yeah, I have other memories that I uh, am more fond of. <laughs> Are there people in your life that have influenced your career and who has kind of influenced it the most, would you say, so far? Yeah, there's there's so many people along the way. Like, I wouldn't be here. 
I wouldn't even be close to being where I am if I hadn't uh, haven't had, had so much support, uh, both like within my family. Uh, my dad coached me from I was six till I was thirteen, so a big chunk of like the time when you're being shaped as a human being. Of course, he raised me as a person, but he also raised me as a footballer and. And the values that I have within football now is so much has come from him and the way he taught me to work hard and he had like high higher demands on me than than on anyone and also with in my behavior how to behave as a teammate as a leader uh, though I feel like he shaped me in that way in a, such an early stage uh, so my dad has been extremely important and also guiding me with all my decisions during my career and when I'm going through hard times, having him to talk to about it. So for sure, my, my dad, my mom and my sister, like they are my, my support network. Um, but then also moving to Linköping and playing under Martin Sjögren. Uh, he taught me like I had a base of knowledge, but he gave me the knowledge that I needed to take my game to the next level and made, made me become a true, a, like a real professional football player. And he taught me so much tactical knowledge that I could then bring with me to Chelsea. I was so ready when I moved to Chelsea because of what he had taught me under those uh, four years in Linköping. And I still use all that knowledge today, which has been, yeah, it's shaped me massively. And if we touch on the Euros now, <laughs> we have uh, the Euros 2022 coming up. And what do you think that will mean for women's football? I think everything is indicating that that's going to be the biggest tournament so far uh, in in every aspect, both like fans-wise, media, marketing, the quality of the football. I feel like... Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm so excited. Like, I get so excited. I get goosebumps when I talk about it. I get so excited thinking about it because I know England as a football country. I know how crazy they are about football. I know how much they love women's football and how much women's football have grown in the country, how uh, professional the setup is and the stadiums and, and, um, the fans, uh, the, it's going to be easy for fans across Europe to travel to the country and really do the whole experience because the country is quite small. So I think it has all, it's had everything to be the best tournament so far in women's football history. And I think, I definitely think it will. And, and you're playing on home turf, kind of. How does that feel for you? Also extremely. I think that is also one of the reasons why I'm so excited, just because I know so much about the country and... Uh, like I said, I know how much women's football has grown uh, since I moved to Chelsea to now. It's it, You've seen a massive growth. Uh, and I think this Euros will just be like the icing of the cake. And hopefully women's football will just excel from that moment. And lastly, for me, what do you think about Sweden's chances in this tournament? Uh, oof, I think like looking at the teams that are in the Euros and how many good quality teams there are, I think it's like... Uh, there's five, six, seven teams that can win it. And I think that's, ex that's extremely cool that there are so many good national teams now and the, uh, like there's so many different styles and the difference in quality is so small that with a little bit of luck, anyone can go through and, and reach all the way. And I do think we have, like coming on the back of an Olympic silver, of course, we have 
uh, we have a big chance of, of reaching the end stage as well, which we are going to go for. But I think we have to stay humble and stay like present in our process and keep developing because just because you've done something a year ago in an Olympics doesn't mean you're automatically going to do it again the next summer. So I think if we stay focused on our process and, and developing as a team, we have good chances, but there's other teams that also have good chances. So this guide newly released, how to stop Sweden to some, it might appear that all your secrets are out in the open now. Uh, what do you think about it as a presentation of Sweden ahead of a big international tournament like the Euros 2022? Uh, I think it's quite cocky and quite brave. I think it's quite un, uh, un-Swedish, if you can say that, uh, but also quite fun because it's not that serious. It's it's a cool way of releasing a shirt, of highlighting us as uh, individual players and as a team, as like uh, like our player profiles, um, and just, uh, yeah, making a thing out of it. I like that. I think it's, it's really good that we do that. Then we, I hope no one takes it too seriously because it's, there's a little bit of, uh, of fun involved in there. I think, uh, we are still really humble as a team and, uh, we won't get carried away. I mean, you just spoke before about the English fans. Uh, I just read on Twitter when this was released, this, uh, it was like, how are, how do they dare to do, let all the secrets out? And, uh, and this is crazy. And now everyone will know about how to play and, and stuff like that. So it's, and I, I agree, it's kind of un-Swedish, but you are ranked, uh, as number two in the world. And I do think that any national team that has a, a proper, like, analysis team, will have known these things anyway or would have seen this anyway because it's quite we have been playing on the Pieter for a long time and uh, and it is uh, we're good at what we are good at and I think you can see that when you watch us play so it's not a secret and I think that is why it's quite refreshing doing it this way because it's like this is who we are and then and uh, still being able to do it, even though the opponents know we're going to do it and you can still do it really well. I think that is an extreme strength. Uh, of a team so that is what we want to prove now I think I kind of felt it's like Sweden's DNA football wise just put on paper very good yeah exactly yeah so um, this is from the guide uh, and this is about you then so don't play crosses into Magdalena Eriksson's defensive zone as she is one of the strongest and most decisive defenders in Europe especially in duels She wins an average of 70% of aerial duels and 71% of all loose ball duels, and she covers a lot of ground. How do you feel about that description Description as yourself as a player? Yeah, I think uh, it's, uh, like it's, it gives a limit. Uh, like There's so many more factors in a football player and, and me, in me as well. So it gives like, a, that's the thing as well, like all these profiles gives a, a little glimpse of you as a player but you know football is so like um there's so many different aspects to your game that you bring so this is mostly about my defensive qualities and uh yeah i love to uh, uh get into duels uh, i love to really be a strong uh, defender and really have that as one of my my qualities that that my coaches can trust me on that I will do everything I can to win every duel that I'm in and I put a pride on that and 
uh, yeah, so absolutely, I'm I'm glad that that is that those numbers are the way they are, and that that is a strength of mine. But I also know that there's more to me as a football player. <laughs> Speaking about numbers, then this is a question I like to ask football players because fans care a lot about these things. Uh, do you care about numbers and statistics, and in what way? Yeah, I do care about statistics. I think there's. The statistics in football has come a really long way. So now there's there's a measurement and a number to almost everything we do in the game, and you have to find the numbers that works for you and that are relevant to you. Like as a centre back, it's maybe not relevant for me to look at the distance I've covered or the sprinting, uh, how many repeated sprints I've done, because I'm a centre back. That's not gonna I'm not gonna have the highest numbers on that, for example. But the the numbers that are relevant to me. Is definitely something that I look at, and it's something that I pride myself in having a high standard. No matter what game I play, I want the numbers to be uh, be at a really high level because I do think that's uh, that's when you've really reached a high point in your career when you can do the things you do consistently on a weekly basis. Um, so yeah, we do get we get statistical reports in Chelsea with different numbers. Uh, and I've tried to like figure out with together with our analysis is what numbers are important for me and what should I focus on. Uh, I really don't care about goals, as I've said before. That is not the mode. That is what the fans love: goals and assists. And that is not anything I focus on. Uh, but more in terms of from my position and areas I can improve on. So you said yourself that from the guide, it's a very short description uh, of yourself uh, from many things. I kind of like it, like it's a, a dish, small dish from a smörgåsbord, as we call it in Sweden. But there's so many more things. But if you could describe yourself as a football player with your own words and from the way you look at yourself, how would you do it? Yeah, I think this is a difficult uh, question to answer uh, because I don't want to sound like I think I'm the best in the world or anything like that. But oh yeah, come on now. I would like to hope that one of my biggest qualities is actually something that you can't measure in statistics so you can't put a number on it and that is that I want to make my teammates better always. I want to try and help them uh, and help us as a unit to do things together because I think football, that is why I love football. It's so interesting because it's 11 players on a pitch and the the team that wins is always when the 11 players work together the best. Uh, so you don't have to have the 11 best players. You just have to be the team that works together the most. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I think I want to be a player that helps others, that makes other players better, the defenders around me better, my goalkeeper better, because um, because we com- communicate with each other constantly. So I would say I'm quite uh, communicative as well. I like to communicate with players around me and have discussions about things. I want to be, or I think I am the kind of player who you maybe not, I might not stand out in one game, uh, but over the cross of a whole season, you will be able to say that she's been solid, like she's been consistent in her performance. She's been there no matter what game you're playing. Uh, and then, of course, uh, I'm always working on my um, playing out from the back, ball playing actions and getting better at that and finding ways to set up my teammates in good uh, in good moments so i think 
you have to have the whole the whole package if you want to be the best and uh, there's a lot of things that I'm working on and then there's a lot of qualities that I think I can bring uh, to any team. Yeah, I think it's so so interesting that you say that you're looking for ways to improve your teammates because when we did have Jesse Fleming on this podcast, she did say we can't even go two minutes after a game and Magda's already there and she's she wants to go over the game with me. Is that like who you are as like a person and a leader leader and player on the field that you just immediately want to go over what what's happened? Yeah, I think it's really important for me that as a team you're on the same page with things and uh, and like I said, the, that you're communicating and you have open communications with each other that is not about pride or you're not competing against your teammates you're one team and all like 11 of you or even all 20 of you in a squad you need to be working in the same direction to reach your goals I think that is something I've learned in any successful team I've been in it's the team where everyone is striving towards the same goal everyone is open to discuss different things and uh, and moments and that's how you will always improve as a team so Uh, having those small discussions, uh, for example, with Jessie, someone I, I love to talk football with. She's, she says she's not into tactics as much as I am, but I think she is because she's such a clever person and she has so much to add also to my game because she's such a good uh, technical uh, ball playing player. So I want to set her up in, in the best possible ways. So I think, uh, Uh, trying to get those connections to the players around me is, is so important because it will make me better, it will make them better, uh, better, and then it will make the team better in the end. I, I think she lies when she says she's not into tactics because she she was like very interesting to talk about in that way. Yeah, I think she, you can tell that she's a very intelligent person, uh, both on the field and off the field. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, we still like her, even though she's good at taking penalties as well. Yeah, 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 for sure. Oof. Yeah. So I know you've been um, answering this question a lot, but I feel like I still want to ask it because it's like, I mean, you're a couple of years older and played uh, several uh, big tournaments with Sweden this way, but it's a lot of talk about football players having to adapt and be flexible playing different positions and not only positions it's about it's about roles as well do you feel different about switching positions today compared to a few years back like playing your center back and then your left back and yeah i think as i was when i was younger like first of all i played more left back uh, so it was around like 2015 when I uh, swapped from playing left back to center back in Linköping and uh, that was more like fresh in my mind now I feel like I've kind of cemented myself as a center back and uh, more rarely do I play left back which makes it more uh, yeah whenever I do it it makes it more like a bigger thing of course but I also play a lot of uh, left-sided center back in a back three which is like you're a hybrid and you're both a left back and a center back at one uh, at the same time so at the moment i feel kind of used to being extremely flex- flexible i feel like i'm sometimes ending up as left back sometimes center back and and i having to adapt as, uh, uh, to that uh, this season at chelsea um, primarily so i think uh, having that flexibility is something that i think is it's it's 
it's extremely important as a football player that you can and it makes you even more useful for a team and for a coach when you can adapt to different roles so I still want to keep that uh, although it's it is getting more challenging because it's a longer time since I played in that position. Do you feel like the role of a defender in the Swedish national team, if we're talking about that now, because when we did the recording with Hedvig Lindahl, I actually checked up some numbers uh, ahead of that interview. And then I saw that when you guys played the US in the Olympics, you had 28 shots uh, towards you. Uh, and you had two shots um, up front, if you say it like that. But when you play them this tournament, it was more 50-50. Like you guys had 15 shots and the US had 13. So as a defender, I mean, you guys in Sweden now, the passing game, it, it's what the, the thing is, the passing game. You like, you're comfortable with the ball, but if you improve your passing game, you're also comfortable to defend. As a defender, what what's that what's that like now compared to a few years back? Yeah, I definitely think uh, because we've improved our passing game, we limit uh, like the times where we have to defend, which is kind of obvious, but it is that's how it works in football. So now we have more a possession based style which makes it um yeah makes we give the ball away less to the uh, uh, opposition and then maybe a couple of years ago we we let the opposition have the ball and we said you guys have the ball we will just counter attack and i think we've added so much more to our game and that has also improved our defense like you say now we we're creating more uh, up front and we also have i mean if you look at the defenders we have in the squad it's amazing i think it's it's players playing on in the highest level across europe uh, so there's such a high competition so i think uh, we've improved as a team uh, but we've also improved individually so many of us are in really good places in our careers in really good uh, club teams playing uh, tough games, training with the best players in the world. And, and that just makes you better. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's great to see Sweden play football now uh, for a lot of reasons. But I mean, it's nice to see Sweden scoring a lot of goals as well. So, yeah, I agree. I think we've come a long way under Peter and he has uh, done so well with us finding a consistency in our play and uh, yeah, helping our offensive players to thrive as well. Now they don't have to work their asses off in the defense <laughs> now they they can uh, yeah reach their high their full potential as well john as a center back you're one of the first initiators when in possession when faced with defenses that are compact and sit back how are you helping your side and what are you looking for how are you contributing to breaking oppositions down and creating scoring opportunities uh, yeah, I think this is a good and interesting question because it's often you think that our oh, defenders, they have to be good at defending and attackers have to be good at scoring. Uh, but uh, so much now it's flipped around. As, as defenders, we have most of the ball. We normally have the most touches on the ball out of anyone. And we have to be the ones who start the attacks and then uh, set up our teammates in good positions so that they can then do the assists or the... Um, 
then the first pass that leads to an assist like those kind of moments that that's us creating that for them so we for me it's really something that i've been focusing a lot of my game and i think we play a lot of games with chelsea where we are faced against a really tight compact block of the teams so for me it's about the speed of play you have to constantly be prepared when you get the ball to know where you want to uh, who you want to release it to and and who is the best option to give it to because it's so easy to go down in tempo uh, when you're facing a team that doesn't really come out and uh, so that is the the first thing and then uh, it is about sometimes you have to be the one driving forward uh, driving with the ball forward to to see what happens with the opposition do you get someone to step out then you can see where you can play from there so i think uh, it's something i focus a lot of on uh, in my game and something i think i have improved uh, in the later stages of my uh, career. Women's Super League commentator Michael McCann wants to know, you said at a recent Tentos media event in London that when playing for Sweden, you love and prefer to be the underdogs, but admitted that with this experienced group of players, you will now definitely not be this summer as one of the favorites. How will you as a player handle the burden of that expectation psychologically? And is it something that you discuss within the group? Yeah, I think it's something that we will talk about uh, as we approach the Euros. I think now we're still so focused on this World Cup uh, qualifying campaign. Uh, But as we get closer to the Euros, it is now a fact that Sweden will be talked about as not like the favorite, but among the favorites. And that isn't something that we are so used to. Uh, So I think we have to embrace that. We have to understand that we've earned that kind of pressure, but I don't like the word pressure because it's always so negatively uh, connected. For me, it's, it's a positive. If you have pressure on you, you, it means you've got, you've reached somewhere in your career, you reach a point where people expect things of you. So I think I want us to embrace it and I want us to not focus so much on it. I think we know we are a really good team and embrace that and keep doing what we are doing. And this is from someone that wished to remain anonymous. <laughs> uh, but why do you wear number 16 and number 6 on your match shirts? Any story behind the numbers? Uh, yes, I actually had um, a number 16 from my uh, childhood club in Skede. So from the age of 6 to 13, I, I had number 16. Uh, and then I came to Linköping and someone else had taken that number. So I couldn't wear it. <laughs> so Penilla had the number 16 uh, at that time. And uh, then, uh, yeah, going to Chelsea, it felt perfect to go back to that number. And for the national team, I pretty much took over Sara Tunebro's number. So she was a left back for Sweden. She retired and I was then awarded her number. Uh, but it looks good that it is 16 and 6. Uh, but I do uh, uh, keep doing the wrong when I do my signing my autographs. I keep putting six on Chelsea shirts and 16 on Sweden shirts. But yeah, that's just how it is. <laughs> uh, Lina Fanström wants to know, how do you handle having a bad game slash period? Can your own performance affect how you support the rest of the team? Uh, yeah, I think uh, how you handle those tough moments are really what defines you as a football player because it's so easy to be good in good moments and to just ride go with the flow and just everything comes natural to you then then it's easy but when when you are struggling when you're going through 
a tough time with your team or individually, or if you're having an injury period, that's when your your character gets truly tested. And that's when you really have to work on yourself. And I think for me, it's been really important to have those experiences that I mentioned before with the, the Rio Olympic game against Brazil, not going the way I wanted, knowing how I handle with that moment. Uh, I've scored an own goal in a semi-final that knocked us out of that. And uh, having handled that kind of a moment and knowing how to move on from there, I think you you take so many experiences along the way that whenever something bad happens to you, you know how to handle it and you really have to use the people around you. That's what I've learned about myself is uh, talking uh, to Penilla about it, talking to my family about it, really reaching out to them has is what helps me uh and then i of course i try not to have it uh, let it have an effect on on how i am as a leader or or how i am towards my teammates that is something i pride myself in in doing i want to be that kind of leader and person no matter what happens and i do think that actually being the captain has helped me to move on quicker from when things are not going my way as well because i know i have to step up for the team i can't be stuck in in my individual self and I can't get too stuck in moments because I have to step up for the team. So I do think being the captain has also helped me uh, to tackle adversity in my game. History beckons. Do you practice on scoring headers? Um, Not really. I would say if I do practice headering, it's more clearing the ball than scoring. Uh, I think as defenders, we have at least three, four, five uh, big heads, headers in a game where you're having to head the ball away. So I think I practiced that naturally. And then when I get the moment to head it into goal, yeah, it just comes. I think my coaches would be quite angry with me if I stood there spending 20 minutes every day <laughs> practicing heading goals rather than defending. They would say, Magda, stick to defending. EEE.SAU wants to know, if you would play another position, what would it be? That's a difficult one. Because, of course, I have my, like, left centre-back, left-back positions. I guess those two are out of the... Uh, yeah, I would say I did play centre midfielder when I was younger. So until I was 15, I was a centre midfielder. I would probably be the kind of centre midfielder that would have to play for a team that doesn't want to have the ball so much and just run around and defend, uh, which is also fine. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I would be a hardworking central midfielder covering a lot of ground and uh, winning a lot of duels. Last question. The Sophie Olsen. If you had to choose any country, uh, nation, participating in the Euros to play against in the final, who would it be and why? Oh, good question. Um, okay, because... Football-wise, it doesn't really matter for me, but it would be extremely cool if we could play Denmark and me and Penilla would go up against each other in a in a, a European final because that would mean that one of us would win the Euros, which would be really, really cool. So I would say Denmark. All right, so we move on to the last section, which would be the this or that rapid questions. I'm going to read these this or that questions for you, and you don't get to think. You just pick one of them. All right. Uh, a back three or a back four? Back four. Playing your way out of the first line of pressure with a perfect one-touch pass together with a teammate or dribble your way out of it on your own? Uh, playing with my teammates. Start an attack from the back that will lead up to a goal or scoring one yourself? Uh, starting an attack from the back that leads to a goal. 
a perfectly timed slide tackle or intercepting a pass that is about to break the lines? Uh, Both, but I do love a slide tackle. Coming on from the bench to make an impact to get the win or be in the starting lineup in a mediocre game where you either lose or draw. Oh, I want to win. Always win. Magda, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast and we hope you had fun and enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.